On the night of November 17th, 1986, Japan Airlines cargo flight 1628 was flying from Paris to Tokyo. Piloted by Captain Kenju Tarauchi, a former military pilot with more than 10,000 hours of flight experience, flight 1628 was flying over Alaskan airspace when something dramatic would happen. The Japanese flight crew of three would find themselves in the middle of one of the best-known encounters in UFO history. Supernatural Japan Podcast, Episode 3, The JAL Flight 1628 Incident, UFO Encounters. Well, hello and thanks everyone for listening. My name is Kevin O'Shea and I am the host of the Supernatural Japan Podcast. Now, first of all, I want to thank everyone so far who has gone out and followed us on Instagram at Supernatural Japan and who has joined the super awesome Supernatural Japan Facebook group. If you haven't already, get out there and do it. All the links are below in the show notes. And that's a place where I share a lot of information about all of the different stories here on Supernatural Japan. Now, before we get started with episode three, well, I suppose we already have, I just want to talk about some of the different styles you may be hearing as the show finds its feet. It is a new podcast. And what I think I'm going to be doing is not really following one set format each and every week. Some weeks, episodes will be just me. They will be scripted, researched, written out, me reading, explaining to you different topics. Sometimes it'll be a little more off the cuff where I'm just kind of sharing my ideas and thoughts, kind of like I am right now. Yet other episodes, I'll have guests on talking about their encounters, their stories. And sometimes I'm just going to have friends on to do a little bit of banter back and forth about the different topics and stories on Supernatural Japan. So um, different shows will have a different vibe, a different feel, but I think you're going to enjoy them all. So I just wanted to let you know that's where we're going to be going moving forward, and that's where we have been already with the first two episodes. Now, I really want to thank all of you out there for listening. The first two episodes of the podcast have gotten an incredible amount of positive feedback, and that really shows with the amount of fantastic people who've downloaded and listened to the podcast already. We're now on pretty much every major platform there is out there for listening to podcasts, and I really appreciate those who have already left a rating and a review on the different podcast catcher they use. It's been really fantastic. All right, so episode three, we're talking UFOs. That's right. Now, this has a very direct Japan connection, although it did happen over the skies of Alaska in the United States. It happened to a Japan Airlines flight with a Japanese flight crew. Now, um, am I a believer in UFOs myself? You know what? I would have to say that growing up, I probably was not. I have to admit that I have never seen something that I thought to be a UFO. Well, maybe I did at some points. I think um, before I was a little kind of educated in the world of things up in the sky, I may have spotted the International Space Station once or twice and thought it's something odd. But then later on in life, in my 40s, I uh, downloaded the ISS Finder app for my iPhone. And my son and I living in Japan um, would 
make it kind of a little bit of one of our hobbies to go outside onto our balcony or just to run outside of our apartment on the nights when the ISS would fly over our apartment in Kobe, Japan, and spot it streaking through the sky. And it was really incredible and remarkable because it is such a bright light that moves so fast that it's clearly not an airplane, it's not a star. Um, But once you realize what it is, you know, but it's, it's still exciting to look up this bright light in the sky and realizing, hey, there's a bunch of astronauts on that thing. That is really cool. Now, um, would I call myself a believer? I don't know. I think I'm someone who in recent years has become a little more open-minded to things, especially as the U.S. Navy has released videos over the last few years, um, more, spe- more specifically the Go Fast, the Gimbal, and the Tic Tac videos, which were ones that were uh, videos which were captured on the gun cameras of different um, Navy fighter jets and captured by naval aviators where they saw and encountered and engaged different odd things off the coast of the United States. Um, What are those things? I don't know, but it is really intriguing for me and pretty darn cool. Okay, so um, whether you believe in things like UFOs or not, this story of JAL 1628 is a very compelling story, a very interesting one, and it's odd and strange, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So without any further ado, let's get into the story of Japan Airlines 1628. Now this comes from the Anchorage Press. Japan Airlines Captain Kenju Teruchi was an ex-fighter pilot and senior airline pilot with more than 10,000 hours flight experience. He was assigned to fly a Japan Airlines cargo flight from Paris to Reykjavik, Anchorage, and on to Tokyo. On November 17th, 5.09 p.m. Alaska time, the Anchorage Air Route Traffic Control Center contacted JAL 1628, which at the time was about 104 miles northeast of Fort Yukon. The flight controller asked the pilot to adjust his heading so the plane would pass south of Fort Yukon and Fairbanks. The co-pilot turned the plane to the left about 15 degrees. Captain Teruchi, sitting on the left side of the cockpit, saw unidentified lights out of his side window to the left and below. He thought they were military planes and ignored them. After a few minutes, he realized that these unidentified aircraft were pacing him. Flight 1628 contacted the Anchorage Center twice in rapid succession and asked if there were any other aircraft in the area. The Anchorage Center responded that there were no military aircraft and ground radar did not show any aircraft other than Flight 1628. Then the two lights began to move in an erratic manner. The distance from the light was far enough from us and we felt no immediate danger, said Teruchi. I thought perhaps it is a UFO. The lights were still moving strangely. Most unexpectedly, two spaceships appeared directly in front of the plane, shooting off lights. The inside cockpit shined brightly, and I felt the warmth of the UFO's thrusters on my face. Taruchi continued. Then, three to seven seconds later, the fire, like from jet engines, stopped and became a small circle of lights as it began to fly in level flight at the same speed as we were. The middle of the body of the ship sparked an occasional stream of lights, like a charcoal fire. Its shape was a square, flying 500 feet to 1,000 feet in front of us, very slightly higher in altitude than us. Its size was about the same size as the body of a DC-9, similar in size to a Boeing 707. 
It is impossible for any man-made machine to make a sudden appearance in front of a jumbo jet that is flying 910 kilometers per hour and move along in a formation paralleling our aircraft. But we did not feel threatened or in danger. Honestly, we were simply astounded. I have no idea why they came so close to us. There was a pale white light in the direction where the ships flew away, pacing us. The Anchorage Center replied that they saw nothing on their radar. I set our digital weather radar distance to 20 miles, radar angle to horizon. There it was, on the screen, a large, green, round object had appeared seven or eight miles away in the direction of the object. We arrived at the sky above Ailson Air Force Base in Fairbanks. It was a clear night. We were just above the bright city lights, and we checked the pale white light behind us. There was a silhouette of a gigantic spaceship. We must get away quickly. A terrified Captain Terucci, in coordination with the Anchorage Center, attempted evasive maneuvers, such as flying in a circle and changing altitude. The gigantic UFO, later described by Terucci as the size of two aircraft carriers, shadowed Flight 1628 through all maneuvers. Terucci wondered and feared as to their purpose. Anchorage Center offered to scramble a military jet, but Captain Terucci declined the offer, fearing unintended consequences of a military confrontation with the UFO. About that time, a United Airlines passenger jet flew into the same airspace and was requested by the ATC to get a visual on the situation. Terucci reported, When the United plane came by our side, the spaceship disappeared suddenly. The strange encounter ended 150 miles away from Anchorage. In 1986, John Callahan was FAA Division Chief of the Accidents and Investigations Branch in Washington, D.C. About a week after the JAL 1628 incident, he got an urgent call from Alaska. Callahan's recollections were recorded in an interview conducted circa 2000. His comments, too, are edited here for brevity and clarity, according to the Anchorage Press. I forget who it was that called, he said. We got a problem here. I don't know what to tell the media. The whole FAA office is full of media from Alaska. Callahan asked, what's the problem? He says, it's a UFO. I said, what? UFO. He says, well, last week we had a UFO chase a 747 across the skies up here for about 30 minutes or so. I told him to get all the data together. I wanted all the civilian and military disks that they had and all the tapes that they had available and flown overnight to our tech center where I'm sitting. The military refused to send their tapes, but he got everything Anchorage traffic control had. We told him that we wanted a room set up to be just like it was in Anchorage, and we wanted all the data to come to the scope radar monitor, and we want to see everything the controller has seen. We want to hear everything he heard, and we wanted it all tied together, the radar, the digital radar, and the sound. When Callahan played the tapes, he heard all three-way conversation between Anchorage Air Traffic Control, Elmdorf's NORAD Regional Operations Control Center, and Karen Ta- Captain Tarucci of JAL-1628. He also played a tape of the ATC radar sightings on the scope. Anchorage Air Traffic Control didn't see the UFOs on their radar, but based on the, their conversation, the military were clearly tracking the UFOs. Callahan explained, The military controller has what they call height-finding radar, 
and they have a long-range radar and short-range radar. So if they don't catch it on one of their systems, they catch it on the other. Ours wouldn't record it. Details reported by the military controller indicated that the UFOs were traveling thousands of miles per hour as they maneuvered in the airspace around 747. The military controller had one other surprise finding. Near the end of the incident, the United Airlines flight was diverted to observe the JAL flight. By then, Captain Tarucci no longer saw the huge UFO, and the United pilot did not see it either. Unbeknownst to both of them, the military radar clearly indicated that the UFO had tucked in out of sight behind the United flight and had begun following it. After sitting through the presentation, Callahan's boss turned to him and said, Don't talk to anybody until I give you the okay. The next day, his boss set up a briefing. According to Callahan, I brought all the people from the tech center. We went upstairs. We had all kinds of boxes of data that we handed them. Printouts. It filled up the room. They brought in three people from the FBI, three people from the CIA, and three people from Reagan's scientific study team. And I don't know who the rest of the people were, but they were all excited. Callahan and his staff showed the assemblage everything they had and answered a lot of technical questions. When they finished their briefing, Callahan said that a guy from the CIA basically said, none of this ever happened. We did not have this meeting, and none of this was recorded. He said that if they come out and told the American public that they ran into a UFO out there, it would cause panic across the country, so therefore we can't talk about it. And we're taking all this data. And the CIA and FBI agents took all of the data away. When they asked me what I thought, I told them that it looked like we had a UFO that was up there. As far as I was concerned, Reagan's science team were the ones that verified my own thoughts about it. They were very, very excited about the data. They said that at the time that this was the only time they'd ever recorded a UFO on radar for any length of time. Now that was according to Callahan. Now, in the months that would follow the incident, Captain Tarochi was banished to a desk job at Japan Airlines, and the Japanese airline company said that he had embarrassed the company. Years later, he would be fully reinstated. John Callahan retired from the FAA and became an industry consultant, and periodically recounted the true story of JAL Flight 1628. Now, we're not done yet. Um, according to a story on the website The Debrief, which is a very known, uh, very well-known website in UFO circles. Um, in this article by Jazz Shah, there were a lot of flaws found in this story. Now, this event that appeared on many TV shows, such as Unexplained, which is a TV show that will be linked. There will be a link in the show notes of the Supernatural Japan uh, podcast on our Facebook group. You can go and check out um, a video clip, a story from the TV show, The Unexplained, um, that many UF, ufology bloggers and ufology circles seem to take this story as gospel. In the article by Shaw, he says, the descriptions of some of these events that they rely on to make the case certainly do lend into a patina of truth. But when you poke too far into the gritty details, some of the flaws in the story become somewhat glaring. We should not discount Captain Tarucci out of the simple fact that he's had multiple incidents before. Um, or being a quote-unquote believer, many experiencers rep report multiple sightings. 
But that being said, other details found in this data should give us pause. Neither of the two crew members confirmed seeing anything except lights, while the captain described an object with nozzles. The crews of two other aircraft saw nothing at all. Out of four separate radar systems, two produced no returns. One had a momentary glitch that seemed erroneous, and the last one acquired a target briefly, if it wasn't also a glitch, that simply disappeared. Some might argue that the technology observed in UAPs or UFOs is so advanced that it could likely evade radar, and that's a reasonable point. But if so, wouldn't it evade all radar rather than just some of them? Without seeming to throw cold water on anyone's parade, a detailed examination of this FAA package leaves multiple holes in the story that, at a minimum, should leave us room to acknowledge the arguments made by skeptics. What the tale of Japan Airlines 1628 boils down to is the eyewitness testimony of a single witness. Multiple other trained observers either saw nothing or reported lights that could have been stars or planets. And the type of technical data we all crave as supporting evidence, such as has been offered in some of the Navy encounters, like I mentioned earlier, the Go Fast or the Gimbal or the Tic Tac videos, um, simply hasn't been shown here. So the reader is left to decide for themselves. But on further analysis, this widely popularized UFO incident doesn't appear as strong as popular media would have us believe when subjected to close scrutiny. Okay, so that was an article by Shaw from The Debrief. So there you go, guys. Um, this, when you do look at this uh, event on uh, TV, YouTube videos, it is extremely compelling. And it seems, to be honest, pretty darn cool. But when you look at it through the kind of more skeptical point of view, there are, you know, appears to be some flaws within the story. But uh, what I'm going to do for you folks is I'm going to put a bunch of links into the Supernatural Japan Facebook group. I'm going to um, uh, add a few links to some different TV shows that this event was on, a lot of photos and, and different things like that. And you can go over there and check it out. I'll also add some things over on the Instagram feed at Supernatural Japan. So you two, you should be following those two spaces, the Facebook group and the Instagram feed, in order to find out more. Absolutely. Now, here's my question for you fine folks out there listening this evening. Have you ever spotted something unexplainable in the skies. Have you ever seen something strange that could have potentially been a UFO or UAP? Let us know over in the Facebook group. We'd love to hear all about it. We'd love to hear your story. Now, of course, um, that's it for this episode of the Supernatural Japan podcast. And uh, the next episode, we're going to be having a fantastic chat with someone about some fantastic things. Uh, All Supernatural and based in Japan. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to leave us a rating. Remember to, um, you know, leave a fantastic review and help spread the word about the Supernatural Japan podcast and help us grow. All right. My name is Kevin O'Shea. I am the host of the Supernatural Japan podcast, and I'll be coming to you again really soon with a brand new episode.